The Magnificat in the Latin is the first word. That's why it's called the Magnificat. Um, we're uh, we're going to look today at all of that. So if you have a Bible, then have it out. You might have a Bible on your phone, um, and you can use that. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, would you open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I don't know if you remember... Um, on the first Sunday of Advent, I talked about my experience of waiting on the telephone with a call center for an airline that shall remain nameless. Do you remember that? Uh, I can't see you online, but uh, I'm sure you can give a, uh, write a comment on there if you, if you remember. Um, so I just thought um, you might be wondering, did that waiting carry on? Uh, and uh, through the season of Advent, as we've been thinking about what it means to wait for the coming of Christ, uh, uh, was I having to wait for this airline to answer the phone? Well, I can tell you um, that uh, I have a spreadsheet going now because I decided I was going to start logging the calls um, because at some point I feel a letter coming along. Um, and I've got 11 and a half hours of time logged. Um, in fact, on Friday, um, I, I needed to go for a run. Um, and, and so I th uh, it was suggested to me by my lovely wife, um, why, why don't you just run while you're listening to the hold music? Um, so I can tell you, so there's some music you can hear, you know, and I don't know if you, any of you run, you, you'll know this. There's some music you can hear, and it makes you run faster. Um, but listening to was one of the slowest runs I've done in a long time. Um, but anyway, I ran about six kilometers, and, and then I got bored of running around listening to the hold music in my ears. Um, but there, I did have a moment where, um, after almost three hours on hold, the call was finally answered, and the calls cut off after one hour. And so I rang for an hour, it got to 59 minutes and 59 seconds, cuts off. And then I did that again, cuts off. Third time, uh, I did get somebody to answer, but unfortunately they answered 55 minutes into the call. And you know where this is going. And at one hour, even though I was on the phone to them, they cut me off. So whoever works in their um, IT department needs to sort something out there. Waiting is incredibly frustrating. But I'm just talking about 11 and a half hours. In our gospel today, we hear of Mary and Elizabeth who are pregnant. And the wait is longer than 11 and a half hours. It's nine months, 40 weeks. And... It says in verse 39, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Um, meaning probably not she hurried and jumped in the car, but she walked. Uh, and the expectation is that the walk for Mary to go and see Elizabeth was about four days long. So it would have been quite a long walk. And uh, she gets there, enters Zechariah's home, and is greeted by Elizabeth. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, and the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. So Elizabeth felt that she knew. You know, babies move around. Um, as some of you know, babies will move around. Um, and the ones that move around a lot tend to move around a lot when they come out as well, uh, we found. Um, but uh, babies move around. But somehow Elizabeth knew at this point that it was the Holy Spirit uh, that told her. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and so she knew. And she exclaims, 
She's excited. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The word Lord is used 25 times in the first two chapters of Luke. Uh, it's a very significant title. And um, here is uh, Elizabeth um, acknowledging that this isn't just her cousin visiting her uh, for a family get-together, that she is the mother of the Lord, the one who is to come, the Messiah, the Christ. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. We know the baby in her womb was John the Baptist um, and John the Baptizer. Uh, we heard about him the last two weeks in a row. And uh, we know that he, um, he discovered Jesus for himself. Whereas in this situation, uh, Elizabeth hears about or knows of Jesus because of the Holy Spirit telling her. So John the Baptist discovers Jesus um, as, as, he, as he realizes who Jesus is. With Elizabeth, she, she gets this divine intervention telling her uh, by the Holy Spirit making the baby jump. And so um, in the journey, which uh, commentators think was about four days, um, it's thought that that's when Mary composed this song. Uh, I don't know if you've ever composed a song um, on a journey. Um, I know I have. Uh, I worked on trains for a while, as some of you may know, and, and sometimes I, was, I, I worked for about five months in the um, onboard cafe. Um, so the trains in Britain have an onboard cafe. They used to call it the, the buffet, um, but now they call it a cafe because it's trying to sound trendy and European. Uh, so I was in the onboard cafe, um, and, uh, um, and, and it was actually quite boring because on a four-hour trip, you, you're not exactly inundated with people coming in for lattes even if they're the fastest-moving lattes in the country. That was a slow one. I'm just going to turn this down. 125 miles an hour. Anyway, um, uh, you, sort of, you sort of learn when you're, when you're serving these things to, to stand with a staggered stance, because when you go over the switches in the track, if you're trying to give someone their coffee, it could get quite dangerous. Anyhow, so I was on the train one day, and, uh, and it wasn't four days, but it was four hours, and I weren't a lot of customers, and so I thought, well, maybe the answer is I'll compose a poem or a song. And instead of saying, you know, good morning, my name's David, I'm in the cafe, come and have a, a drink, um, which was the typical announcement, I tried writing a poem. So I think there were seven verses of this thing, uh, all in rhyming couplets. Uh, that's how bored I was on the train. So I can relate to this thing of, of as you go along processing something. Um, and I began to um, use the poem, and some people came to me, and they said, that was a terrible poem. But um, actually, I will come and try a cup of coffee. So it worked. It worked. As Mary is on the journey, what she's mulling over is not a poem about buying coffee. She's mulling over the story of Hannah in the book of Samuel. And so we see uh, the echoes in Mary's song of Hannah's song. But she's making it her own words. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Remember the news that Mary's heard. We've heard it many, many times. Every Christmas we hear the same story, and so we know how it goes. And I think it's very hard for us um, 
we, we can become desensitized if we've heard the Christmas story before. We know. We, we recite it in our creeds and in our worship um, about Mary. But at this point in Luke's story, right at the start, um, she, she wouldn't have known everything that we know. She's just been visited by an angel not long ago. Um, I think we get that reading in the next few days. But she's been visited by an angel. She's, she's, she knows that she's expecting uh, the Messiah. She's going to be carrying the Messiah and giving birth to the Messiah. Um, she's got all that's going on in her family situation because she's not married. And, you know, this is incredibly awkward. Um, these days, it's par for the course. But then it was, it was very, very, very... Um, frowned upon, as you can imagine. And I think it's really hard for us to get our minds around how difficult it must have been for Mary. And so when she begins her, her song, which we've given a nice Latin name to, the Magnificat, my soul glorifies the Lord, it just sounds like a lovely song. But actually, she's probably had to really wrestle with that. Often when God gives us a job to do, I know my first reaction is not to glorify and magnify the Lord. My first reaction is normally to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to that place. I don't want to ring that person. I've been calling people uh, lately asking about what their pledges might be for 2022. My soul doesn't glorify the Lord in that. It's more a case of, well, I'll do it if there's nobody else that wants to, because I know that we need to know so we can budget for the church. For next year. I'm not in a place of going, my soul glorifies the Lord. I can't wait to ring somebody and ask them how much money they want to give. You know. So save me the call and just email me with your pledge. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I don't know about you when, when God has asked you to do something. I know too when I ask people in the church, would you step up and volunteer? Would you, would you volunteer in some way? The response is never normally, oh, yes, I've just been waiting for you to ask me. I'm so excited. It's normally, um, well, I'll, I'll have a think about it. Of course, if someone's really holy, they'll say, thank you so much. I'll go away and pray about it. And um, we're not normally that excited. So Mary's obviously moved a long way in her thinking to get to the place of saying, yes, I know what I'm doing. And I'm now at the place of saying my soul glorifies and magnifies the Lord because he's choosing to use me, and I feel blessed. Of course, she's just heard those words from her cousin Elizabeth, you are blessed. He has been mindful, verse 48, of the humble state of his servant. Um, I don't know um, anyone here, anyone here, uh, uh, raise a hand, I think you're safe to do this, if you, if you like the royal family, just raise a hand if you like the royal family, if you're interested in royal things. Some people are, um, lots of people are not really, but there is a buzz, isn't there, when, um, when William and Kate had some children. Um, I was working in the Church of England at the time, and uh, um, when, when William and Kate decided to baptize their oldest son, who's, is his name George? Okay. I thought it was, um, but I'd forgotten. When they decided to baptize George, we had an uptake of about, um, uptick in about 25%. We did about 40 baptisms a year in the church I was in, because it 
made nice pictures there. I guess people like to come there. Uh, and so we did about 40. In the year when, uh, when William and Kate decided to, to do a baptism for George, then all of a sudden we got about 10 extra people uh, contacting us. We went to 50 baptisms uh, in the year following that because, uh, because of the example. But when you think about a royal baby being born, uh, whether you like the royal family or not, and that's a whole other discussion for maybe a podcast or a whole other day. Uh, but when you think about a royal baby, you think probably about George or um, Harry and Kate. Harry and Kate. Harry and Meghan, that's it. Uh, Harry and Meghan had one as well. I don't know that name of that one either. Um, but uh, that's who I think of. I don't think of a random 13-year-old girl in the middle of a country, in the middle of nowhere. I mean, she's not even in Jerusalem. Um, she's in, she lives in Nazareth, which is about 65 miles, 100 kilometers away from Jerusalem, really in the middle of nowhere. It's a tiny little place. It still is fairly small today. She's not the kind of person who one would expect would be doing this kind of thing, carrying a king. And so she recognizes that God has seen the humble state of his servant. She's humble. She's not, she's not trying for this. She's humble. And she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. It's all about God. It's not about what she's done. It's all about what God is doing in and through her. A reminder for us all uh, as we serve in Christian life and ministry, as we serve in church, as we sit on committees in the church, in the diocese, in other organizations. It's not about us and what we've done. It's about what God does through us and how God can use us. And then she moves on to say, His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. We get three sets of people referenced in a way that is completely upside down. In life groups, uh, we, we, were, we were looking at Luke's gospel, and we did this, I think, in week two. And um, there's that idea of God's kingdom as the upside-down kingdom. And in this reading, here's where we see it. He has scattered the proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. If you're proud, if you're a ruler, if you're rich, these are harsh words. And at times, probably all of us uh, are guilty of being in those places, of being proud or, or of, of being in charge of something or of being rich. The words uh, that are spoken, that those who um, are blessed here are the humble, are the hungry. And as I say, we've heard these readings so many times. We know how it goes. But actually, this is revolutionary. This, is not the way, this was not the way of the world then. There was an expectation that if you were rich, you would have a lot of food. 
And if you were hungry, if you were poor, you would be hungry. And, and it wasn't a case of, um, as it is now, um, where, where we see organizations trying to work to help those um, who haven't got enough food to give them food. It was seen as just how it was. If you were rich, then you would have everything. And if you weren't rich, you would have nothing. You would expect to be hungry. And so this good news that Jesus brings, which Mary sings about in her song, is good news for all people. But it's especially good news for those who are hungry. And most of us don't know what it's like to be hungry. We may have a season in our life where we're hungry. We may find ourselves sometimes stuck in a, in a traffic jam on the highway and, and hear our stomach start to grumble because we're a little bit hungry. But we're talking here about a hunger probably that's, that's ongoing. And he has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. What would it be like if you were a rich person at the time um, hearing these words? They feel quite harsh. And yet the intention is not to be harsh. The intention is to say that the focus of God, the focus of the kingdom which Jesus is bringing in, will make sure that we don't have these big disparities with some people who are rich and have everything and have all the food they want and some people who are on beans and rice. It's the upside-down world where we don't have the, the rulers on their thrones with all the power, who are the ones who are revered, but no, it's the ones who are humble, the ones who are servant, the ones who care for others and look after others. And I think it's hard for us as we live in, um, in this part of the world where we're really blessed. We're the rich. If you can afford to have somebody else make you a cup of coffee, then you're the rich. Just an example, I could give many more. And so what do we do? We have to keep on uh, looking at ourselves. Keep on working to say, how is it that we can make sure we don't fall into the trap of being like the rich who are sent away empty? of being like the rulers who had all the power. And in a small way, what we did today and we've done with other things recently in, in, in terms of these gifts we're sending away, it's a, it's a way of just helping us be, I think, grounded in, in saying we can make a difference. We're called to look out for those who need to be seen. The Magnificat, the Song of Mary... Uh, reminds us that in all circumstances we're to begin by praising God. We're to begin in a place of praise. It points the way to what Jesus will accomplish in the whole of his ministry. It points the way to an upside-down kingdom a kingdom where it's not about money and wealth and power and status, but it's about humility and serving and care for all.
The passage finishes, Mary, it says in verse 56, stays with Elizabeth for about three months and then returns home. Uh, we don't know quite if that's historically accurate, um, but uh, what, we, what we know is that, the, the, or what we commentators suspect, is that what Luke wanted to do is make sure um, it was very clear that, they'd gone, that she'd gone back before John the Baptist uh, was born, uh, which is the next part of the chapter. So I don't know what your song would be if you wrote one. And I'm going to leave you with that challenge uh, on this fourth Sunday of Advent. You don't have to write a song, although I know some of you might. Um, but uh, you don't have to write a song. But what would your song be? If this is Mary's song that speaks of her encounter with God, what would your song be this Christmas? Amen. Amen.